Welcome back to the Fit-ish Project with your host, Lathan Bass, where we make fitness and health simple for regular people like you and me. Getting into another episode this week, and I guess before I get into that, just wanted to make a little quick announcement. Have a couple spots for one-on-one online fitness coaching for those of you looking to lose a little weight, build a little muscle, you need a plan, you need a little bit of accountability, I gotcha. Um, have four spots this month. Uh, two of those are spoken for, so still have two spots available for anybody looking to make a little change. Spring, summer, right around the corner. It's always a good time to uh, start prioritizing that health a little bit more, getting back into the swing of things and you know, just getting into it. So if that's you, if you're looking for a little change, looking to make some positive health changes, some fitness changes, feel better, look better, um, check out the link in the show notes or just send me a message and we can have a little conversation to see if what I have to offer is a good fit for you. But without further ado, getting into this episode, we have another Q&A. I always enjoy doing these, getting questions from people uh, that I either coach or that I just have conversations with through social media or sometimes even in real life, just questions about health and fitness and different things like that. And just for future reference, if you ever have a question that you want me to expand on a little bit, you can always probably shoot me a message on social media, Instagram or Facebook, something like that is probably the best way to get a hold of me. But getting into this one, we have some questions about cheat days. Um, We have another one about how to lose fat around certain areas, what to do for warmups if you struggle with knowing what to do before your workouts. How often or how long should you take in between working certain muscle groups? How to deal with plateaus when you're trying to lose some weight? And finally, what are deloads? How do you know if you need one and what to actually do on deloads? So we're going to cover all that in this Q&A. We got six questions. We will bang these ones out and uh, give you guys a little value out of these, answer some of your questions. So here we go with question number one. Uh, It says, I've used cheat days in the past but I've heard conflicting views with this approach. How do you feel about cheat days? So my views on cheat days have changed a little bit. When I first got into losing weight, I used the kind of, you know, the cheat day approach, which I think a lot of people who have dieted have used this a little bit, but I've kind of shifted my views on this because I don't really like the term cheat days. And this is something that you'll see you see a lot of people like a lot of influencers and things like that who have like these massive cheat days. It's like a big thing now where they'll try to eat you know, 10,000 or 15,000, 20,000 calories, just crazy amounts of food. And I don't necessarily think that's probably the healthiest thing for most people. And with that being said, like the reason that I've changed my views around cheat days is because I plan to eat these certain foods within my diet. I don't just have like one day where I'll go off and I'll you know, only eat pizza or only eat ice cream or, you know, eat a ton of food in one single day. Because I just like, again, I don't think that's probably the healthiest approach to just your relationship with food, you know, binging on thousands of calories probably isn't a great thing for most people. Um, And there's just a lot of there's some negative connotations around just cheat days. I mean, when you think of like cheating on something, like you're not following the rules, or you're doing something bad, like if you cheat in a sporting event or a game, or like you cheat on somebody like you cheat in Um, just on your diet, like it has kind of this negative connotation around it as you're doing something bad. And again, I just don't think that's like the best way to look at it. Because like for me, having pizza, or having some ice cream or going out for some drinks, or 
going out to eat with your family, like that isn't bad. You shouldn't feel bad about doing those things. And I think that if you label those things as bad, like if you label it as cheating on your diet, then you kind of feel a certain way about it. And you can't really enjoy it as much as you would like to. Like if you're going out, you know, to eat and you feel like um, cheating on my diet, like you feel bad about it. Well, you can't even really enjoy it. So for me, I think of it now as just that's just part of my normal diet. Again, I'm not going to, you know, eat this, like go crazy and like eat everything inside or eat whatever I want. But like I can incorporate those foods in my normal diet and be just fine. And I think a lot of times people will use these cheat days as an opportunity to go crazy, which, as I stated, can be pretty problematic, like binge eating thousands of calories, probably not healthy, taking in an extra 5,000 calories in a single day, 10,000 calories in a single day, probably not healthy, probably not good for your physical health, your mental health, any of that stuff. And I think a lot of people, they feel like they need these cheat days because they are so restrictive with their just everyday regular diet. So I'm somebody who's just like, super dialed in. I'm never eating anything that I want. Like I'm just eating these foods, these meals that I deem like super healthy. I'm never having like any ice cream or like any pizza or anything like that throughout the entire week. And then I get to the end of the week and I'm like, oh, I made it. I can just let loose and go crazy. Well, again, that might work for some people, but I think for most people, that's probably not the best approach. For me, I think if you can incorporate some of those foods on a regular basis, whether it be on a daily basis or every couple of days or you know, for some people, it might be on that weekly basis, they don't feel like they need those things as often, or they just don't want to have those things as often. And, you know, once or twice a week, they just have some food on the weekend, or they have some pizza or, you know, whatever the case may be. And that's what I found has worked well for myself and have worked well for people that I've been able to work with is just finding what works for you. Like I said, some some people that maybe every single day, I have a little bit of ice cream, I feel good about it, don't overdo it. And then I don't feel the need to on a cheat day, eat, you know, a half gallon of ice cream, just having that ability to incorporate those things in moderation, I think can be super helpful. And another thing that I found to be really helpful with this whole topic of like cheat days is just having a little bit of a plan. So like, for me personally, what I typically do is like, I'll have one or two times per week where I'll like go out to eat, I'll have more like, quote, unquote, unhealthy foods, like these higher calorie foods, uh, maybe that you wouldn't be having every single day. Like I'll have some pizza. I love having pizza. I'll have pizza on the weekend or something like that. So for me, that works really well, but I don't get to the weekend and feel like I've starved myself of these things. Like it's just something that I've planned ahead. I know I'm going to have that. And that way I can eat a little bit cleaner throughout the week, maybe a little bit lower calorie, higher protein, save a few calories for the weekend. And then I can have some extra pizza if I want, or have some drinks or go out to eat. And that way, like, I don't feel bad about it. I know I planned ahead and I don't feel like I'm cheating on my diet or anything like that. So that would be my advice for that. Don't necessarily just have this one day per week where it's like a free for all and you're just eating everything in sight, like plan ahead and just start incorporating these things into your diet in more of a moderate fashion. And then I feel like you don't really necessarily need those cheat days. So question number two. I have some excess fat around my belly and my sides. How can I get rid of it? Well, you cannot really effectively spot reduce fat. There's been like some more recent studies saying like you can burn a tiny, tiny bit of fat by, around certain areas by doing certain things. But I don't think it's really effective enough to like something that you should be focusing on. So, for example, if I do like a million crunches, like am I going to lose a ton of belly fat? No. If I do like if I have maybe some 
some fat under my arms. Like if I do a bunch of tricep exercises, is that going to get rid of that fat? No, like that's not really an effective strategy to use in order to lose fat, which is still something that I think a lot of people don't really understand. And it's not necessarily your fault because there's still like I see them all the time on social media, you go on there and it'll be like, use this like for this belly fat burning workout, like and it's like these stupid exercises, like do like these side bends, and you're going to lose your love handles. That stuff is completely false. Like that stuff does not work. And another thing you probably should understand is like genetics is going to play a big role in this part of fat loss. So like, people will lose fat in different areas in like, over different time periods, and they store fat in different ways and lose fat in different ways. So for example, if you look at one person, they may lose fat way quicker, like in their lower body than they do in their upper body, or it could be vice versa, like they may lose fat really easily in their upper body, but they can't seem to get rid of the fat like in their thighs or, you know, in their legs or something like that. So genetics is going to play a role there. And there's not a ton that you can do about that. But what you can do if you are looking to lose fat, like say for in this example, like you want to lose belly fat, you want to lose some of that fat around your sides. The two things you can really do is focus on a calorie deficit, which is going to help you lose fat. In other words, you're just eating, taking in less calories than you are burning throughout a period of time. So if you're just generally losing fat, that's going to be a good thing. Again, you can't really pick where that fat is coming from. But if you're lowering your overall body fat, that's going to be a good thing. And then the second thing you can do is strength training. So a lot of people will use strength training as a way to kind of mold and build their body in the way that they want, which there's not really a better way to do it than strength training. So like if you're adding some good muscle to your frame and you're losing fat at the same time, then as you start to strip that fat away, you're probably going to have a better appearance just in terms of like what you're looking for. So like some people will go and they'll have these you know goals around changing their appearance and they want to lose a lot of weight and look more fit or toned or more athletic or whatever. But like if you're stripping away this fat and then you don't have any muscle underneath that fat, you're probably not going to look the way you want. So using some form of strength training and then focusing on a calorie deficit are going to be your two things that you want to focus on there. But no, you can't really spot reduce fat. So hate to burst your bubble there, but those are the things that you can actually focus on. You can actually control. So moving on to question number three, I follow a strength training plan, but I've noticed most plans don't come with a warm up. Do you have suggestions for a good warm up before lifting weights? Yes. So it depends on your workout and it also depends on like your needs. So like you want to have a warm up that is going to allow you to perform better within your workout. And you also want to have a warm up that is going to make you feel better now during your warm up, but also afterwards. Like I've noticed as I've gotten older, that warm up has become more important as you kind of start to get some of these aches and pains and little, you know, injuries here or there, which is just part of it. Like if you're physically active and you're moving your body, like you're going to have some aches and pains, a little bit of wear and tear. So I found that as you get older, those warm ups definitely become important. You know, when I was 22, 23, like a warm up was just something that I didn't spend a ton of time of and I didn't really give much thought to. You know, you could jump in without barely any warm up and be just fine. But Again, as you get older, I think it's a really good idea to start to prioritize those things just so that you feel better. But talking about a warm up, so there's really two things when it comes to a warm up that you can focus on. So there's a couple things that you need to think about when it comes to a warm up. And a warm up is going to be a little bit individualized just based on you and like your past injuries, 
you have like certain problem areas to address, like maybe you've had, you have some tightness in certain areas, certain muscles or just certain areas of your body, like you need to focus on those. So like what the way that you warm up might be slightly different than the way I warm up because, you know, maybe I have some issues that I've dealt with, with my shoulders or, you know, I had knee surgery. So that's always something that I'm thinking about, like warming up and make sure that I feel good and my knee feels good and things like that. So if you've had like past injuries and things like that, then make sure you're addressing those things within your warm up and that you feel ready to go. But you really have like your general warm up and then you have kind of your specific warm up. So for your general warm up, this would be stuff like light cardio. So maybe like walking on the treadmill, biking a little bit, rowing, something of that nature could be like rolling out. So using a roller to roll out your, your muscles, like your back, your quads, your hamstrings, your calves, like all that kind of stuff dynamic stretching so you know all the stuff that you typically would do before like playing sports where you're moving and you're active not necessarily like passive stretching you don't necessarily want to do a ton of that before your workout it doesn't really have a ton of benefits for before your workouts if you want to do that more after your workouts it's probably not a bad thing to do but i wouldn't do a ton of passive stretching where you're like sitting there holding different stretches for a long period of time before your strength workouts because it's not really conducive to performing better within that workout but that's just a little side tangent. Um, some other things, you know, just like I said, dynamic stretching, but the whole goal with this is just to get like some blood flow going, get your body temperature up, get your body moving a little bit, because, you know, especially if you're somebody who is like, if you're working out first thing in the morning, or maybe you have a sedentary job and you haven't done a ton of movement, like it's going to just feel good to get your body up, get your body moving because, you know, you're probably a little stiff when you first get going and you don't feel quite as good. Um, so just making sure, again, getting your body temperature up, getting that body moving, getting your heart rate up a little bit, maybe get like a slight sweat going, heating that body up. That's all going to be good stuff and just make you feel better. And then the second part of it is just the specific warm up. So this would be like once you've done your general warm up, get your body temp up, all that good stuff. And side note, you don't need to spend a ton of time doing that. Like three to five minutes is plenty. You know, like I said, just do some movement, get some things going, feel good, and then move on because you don't want to be spending like 15, 20 minutes on a, on a warm up. Like your time is limited already and you don't want to be spending it on a bunch of warm up stuff. And then so secondly, back to the specific warm up. Um, so let's say we're doing a strength training workout. Our first movement of the day is squats. I want to make sure that I go in and that I don't just jump right into my first working set of 200 pounds. Like I want to make sure that I build up to that. So one little format that I use is I just do the 842. So I'll do one set of eight reps, which would be really light, like maybe 50% of that. So if my if I'm squatting 200 pounds, I might go in there and throw 100 pounds on the bar, do eight reps, take a little quick rest, and then I'd add a little bit more weight. Maybe I add on, you know, another 50 pounds, do 150 for four reps. And then as I'm working up, last warm up set, I hit two reps of something that's pretty heavy before I get into that. So I might do like 180, hit two reps of that, and then I feel ready to go to hit my first set of 200 pounds. So it's something that you can do with any of your exercises, um, but two to three warm up sets is generally good. Like I said, you don't just want to jump into your first working set because probably not good from a injury standpoint, but also you're just not going to be able to move as much weight. You're not going to be as strong. So you have to build it up, make sure your muscles are ready to go, your body's ready to go, mentally you're ready to go. Um, and you can do that by using that 842 method, getting in a good quality two to three warm-up sets. And then as you move on, so let's say you, you know, my first set of exercises was squats, maybe my second set of exercises 
is uh, RDLs. You don't necessarily have to do that again for each exercise. Like you don't have to do two to three warm up sets for each and every exercise. You could just be ready to go if you feel good and you want to jump into it, get into your first working set, or you could do maybe one warm up exercise of your next one and then be good to go. But you know, maybe for the first one to two exercise of a session, you might use those warm up sets. But as you get moving through there, you should be good to go and, and feel prepared and don't have to worry about injury and things like that. But yeah, I mean, that's that's it. Like I said, it's going to be a little bit individualized. Um, so make sure you're doing things that feel good for you and make sure that you're ready to go. Uh, but you shouldn't spend, like I said, more than maybe 10 minutes total warming up. And you also shouldn't be like super tired or super gassed out from the warm up. Uh, just as, uh, you know, some general recommendations there. Question number four, how far apart should you work out certain muscle groups? Uh, so this one is going to depend a lot on like how hard that you're really pushing within your workouts. Um, so like you could train a muscle group two to three times per week pretty easily and be fine. You could also train it five times a week. Like I did Squattober um, back towards the end of last year, which is basically you're doing five workouts per week all in a row and you are doing squatting, like you're doing leg exercises for all those lifts. Like most people obviously aren't going to be hitting every single muscle group five times per week, but you could easily hit every muscle group, you know, two to three times per week and be just fine. The thing you have to realize is that like if you're pushing it super hard, you're probably not going to be able to go super intense every single day. Like when I was doing Squattober, five times of legs per week, like you're not pushing that intensity super hard every single day. You have days where you're pushing it a little bit harder, days where you're backing off a little bit. So all that stuff is going to play a role. But a general rule for most people is like 48 to like 72-ish hours um, between muscle groups. So like, let's say you're doing full body training three times per week. You go on Monday, you get your lift in, it's full body. You take a rest day on Tuesday, you come back on Wednesday and you get your lift in, you feel really recovered, you can push it hard again. You take a rest day on Thursday, do the same thing Friday and you feel good about it. Maybe you are somebody who is hitting each muscle group twice per week. So like you're just hitting them really, really hard on, let's say Monday, you do chest and back and then you rest 72 hours. You come back on Thursday, you're sore for a couple of days and then you come back on Thursday, you feel really good and you're able to hit it again. So for most people, like you're going to be in that range of hitting muscle groups one to three times per week. And just a general rule, like if you're still like really sore or you just feel really weak within that muscle group, it's probably a good sign that you need to give it a little bit more rest time. Um, if you're just a little bit sore, maybe a little bit tight, you can definitely still train and that's going to happen sometimes. But like if you have like major soreness, probably not a good idea to be trying to hit that muscle group super hard. Or if you just feel just really, really weak within that, again, that's probably a good sign that you should rest a little bit more. So general rule, about 48 to 72 hours, just depending on intensity and things like that. But yeah, as long as you're, you know, giving yourself sufficient recovery time, then you can kind of set that up in different ways that works best for your routine and your schedule. Uh, question number five, I've been losing weight, but it seems like I've been stuck in a plateau for a while now. What do you recommend? This is a question that I get quite often. And the first thing that you have to think about is, are you actually in a plateau? Because a lot of people think they're in a plateau, but they're not. So like, and here's what I mean by that. So if it's been two days and the weight hasn't gone down, like you're not in a plateau, even two weeks, like let's say you've been trying to lose some weight and you feel like you're in a plateau, like the scale hasn't moved a whole lot. 
down in two weeks, that's still not quite enough time. I would say like if you've gone like three to four weeks and there's been like no changes in the scale or no changes like in your physical appearance, like you don't feel like you're really making a ton of progress. Now is probably a good time to start looking at your approach. So some things that you need to look at, the very first thing you need to look at is your consistency, because for a huge majority of people, when it comes to a plateau, it's because their consistency just isn't quite as high. Sometimes it's knowingly, but a lot of times it's unknowingly. Like, for example, when it comes to like tracking food, like if you're trying to lose weight, some people may not realize that they're eating more calories than they're actually eating. So they may think that they're eating a certain amount, but they're having a couple bites of food here. They're having a couple snacks here. Maybe on the weekends, they're having a little bit more than they think. And so like they're looking and they're like, my numbers have been pretty good. I've been tracking pretty well, but in reality, they're eating more than they think they are. And this happens a lot, as I said, like a lot of people, it just comes down to consistency. And when you really track your consistency and see like, okay, like I was super consistent for two weeks and then I noticed that the scale started to go down again. Well, there's your problem right there. You're just not being as consistent. Like, are you still getting good sleep? Have your activities levels dropped quite a bit? Because all that stuff is going to affect how much progress you're making. So first thing to look at, like I said, is look at that consistency piece. Be really honest with yourself. Take a good look at that and ask yourself, am I actually being consistent? And if you're not, like if you have, you know, a couple of days here where you're off, a couple of days here where you're off and you're not making progress, well, that could be your problem right there. Taking out the consistency, let's say that that is not the issue. Um, some things that you could look at, some solutions to this. So you could add more activity within your program or within your routine. Super simple way to do this would just be to add some steps within your day. So like, let's say that you have been super consistent. It's been three weeks and you're still not really seeing any progress, like that scale's not moving down. You could add a little bit of activity to your routine. So let's say you're on average getting 8,000 steps, you could bump that up to 10,000 per day or 11,000 per day. So that's a really easy thing you could do. You could add an extra workout session. So maybe you're working out three times per week and now you're gonna add in a four session. You could add in a little bit of cardio. So maybe you're not doing any cardio at all right now. You could add in you know, two sessions a week. Maybe I'm gonna do 30 minutes of cardio add that in there to help burn a few extra calories. So there's a lot of different ways that you can play with that. And you can just add in a little bit of extra activity. If you have the time, of course, like maybe you're somebody who's really busy and you're like, I don't really have time to add anything to my routine right now. Then that's probably not going to be the best solution for you, which we'll talk about another solution that you could go to. So a second thing that you could do, if you didn't want to add more activity, you could reduce the food because again, the whole thing here is like, if we're not seeing that progress and we are being super consistent, we need to find a way to put ourselves in a calorie deficit a little bit further because the body does adapt over time. Like if you've been losing weight for a really long time, your body does start to adapt and it starts to make some of those changes and you do have to change some things up a little bit. So another thing that you could do, as I just mentioned, is reduce some of the food that you are eating. So maybe right now you've been in a calorie deficit at 2000 calories and you're going to bump that down a little bit, maybe try to go for 1800 and be super consistent with that and see if that has an effect on you dropping some of that weight. Obviously with this one, you have to be really careful because you do not want to overdo it. Like if you're already struggling with the amount of food you're eating, like you're already kind of hungry and like you don't really feel like you can drop your calories anymore, then adding in more activity could be maybe the better solution for you versus taking your food too low. Because again, if you're already low on calories, you do not want to continue to lower those things because that's just kind of a race to the bottom. 
And like I said, you are going to adapt over time. So like if I'm continually lowering and lowering and my body just keeps adapting, well, now I'm getting on like such low calories that I can't stick to it. I'm not feeling great and I'm not really seeing the progress that I want. So you do not want to take your calories too low because then you end up crash dieting and that's just not a good thing. So if that is the case, like let's say you're somebody who is already kind of lowering your calories, you've been super consistent and you're not really seeing the progress that you want. The next option or the next solution is to just take a diet break. And this is something that I wish I would have understood or even knew about when I first got into my weight loss because I didn't really plan any diet breaks into my diet. I just dieted for like 15 months straight. And there was definitely weekends or like, you know, things where I would eat more food and kind of take some time off, like not really planned, but you can actually plan that out within your diet and take, you know, breaks from your diet so that you can get a mental break, but also give yourself a little bit of a physical break too, just from tracking food and feeling like you're dieting and restricting and things like that, which can be really helpful for sticking to your diet long-term. So taking a dieting break, you know, if you've been dieting for over 16 weeks, like three or four months, and you feel like you've lost some weight and you feel good, but you feel like you're kind of at a plateau, it might be a good time for you to take a little bit of a break. And during this break, it's going to allow you to eat a little bit more food. So you're eating more at your maintenance calories, upping your calories a little bit, and you start to, you know, get your energy back up and, you know, all those things that kind of comes along with dieting a little bit where like mentally, it's a little bit draining sometimes. Physically, it can be a little bit draining sometimes if you've been doing it for a long period. So taking a little bit of a break, adding in some food, you know, giving yourself that mental break can be a really, really good thing. And the tough thing here is like, you don't want to just take like, you know, a few days off and then you're like, oh, I'm ready to go. Like if you've been dieting for a really long time, you may need to take off multiple weeks. You may even need to take off multiple months before you jump back into it. And this can be hard too. And this is where I recommend like having a coach can be very helpful because they've been through this process. They've worked with most likely themselves, but also other people and helping them kind of navigate through this because everybody's going to be a little bit different when it comes to figuring out, you know, when they should take a break, when they should jump back into it, how their body's responding, things like that. So if you're really confused about this whole thing, which I get it, it can be confusing. Find somebody who has done what you want to do and who can help you out with that. And that can be super helpful in that way. But you don't want to take a break and then jump back in too soon. And then now you're still not really seeing the progress that you want to see, like your body's not really responding, because then you get into like, this vicious cycle of yo yo dieting, where you always mentally you feel like you're always dieting and restricting, but you're not really seeing the physical like progress that you want to see like that scales not moving at all. You're not really seeing the physical changes like in your progress pictures, you're not really losing the body fat. And that's just a crappy place to be because if you're going to be dieting, right, you want to make sure that you are seeing the results and that you're getting closer to your goal. So taking a diet break can be something that's super helpful um, and something that can help you actually stick with that diet and break out of some of those plateaus. So um, if you have more questions about that, you can always reach out to me. Obviously, that's something that I'm fairly familiar with and have done a ton with myself, but also helped other people with as well. Um, and then the last question, question number six, I saw on your social media, you took a deload week. How do I know if and when I need a deload week? And then second, what do you do on a deload week? And what should you not do on a deload week? So first off, I'll say like, yes, deloads can be super helpful. Um, I recently just took a deload and feeling a lot better this week. For a majority of people, like just a lot of regular people, you typically will not need a deload. And the simple fact is, is that a lot of deloads are just 
built into their natural schedule. And what I mean by that is like for just regular, you know, average people like you and I who our whole job isn't around fitness, like we're not a fitness model or like our, our you know, our livelihood, or our career doesn't revolve around fitness or training or exercise or things like that. So there's going to be periods of time that you just don't work out as much or maybe you have to take some time off. Like maybe you're going on a vacation for a while and you're not going to work out on vacation. Well, that's a deload. Like you're not really training, giving your body a little bit of a rest. Maybe you have like super busy times at work or super busy times like with family stuff, like things going on, like holidays, things like that. Maybe you get sick for a while or you're you know, taking care of a sick kid. You can't work out. Like things are going to come up that just naturally cause you to not work out for maybe it's a few days, maybe it's an entire week. And so those are times where you're not really training. And those are kind of your like built in deloads, as I call them. But if you're somebody who is super consistent and you're training really hard, maybe for, you know, four or five weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, and you start to notice some of these signs where like you're getting really like maybe your energy levels are down a little bit. Maybe you're getting some more aches and pains that you aren't really used to. Maybe you're not recovering as well between each workout. And then I think a big one too is like your excitement to train or like your readiness to train. So like if you're somebody who really enjoys getting exercise and getting your workouts and things like that. And you start to notice that you're not really excited about the gym. Like you just feel like you kind of need a mental break. That can be a really good sign that it's time to take a deload. So if you're feeling any of those, again, could be time to, you know, take a little bit of a break. And for a lot of people, this will be somewhere between like three to seven days. So maybe you just need like a long weekend off or you just need a few days during the week off and then you take those days off and you feel good. For other people, you've really been hitting it hard. Your body's just feeling just beat down. You could take a whole week off, which is what I did. I took a whole week off during my training. I'd been hitting it really hard for probably like a good close to 10 or 11 weeks and like really, really pushing the intensity, lots of heavy weights, really trying to make some gains. And I just noticed like my workouts were just not as good. I didn't feel as strong and I was just like not recovering as well. So I knew it was time to take a deload, took a whole week off. And throughout that time, like during a deload, there's some things that you can do for most people. I'll say like, if you want to just take that time off and not get in the gym at all, like that's perfectly fine. Like maybe you just get some general movement in, like you do a lot of walking, you do some mobility stuff, maybe you're stretching, you could do some less intense cardio, maybe some biking, some rowing, swimming, maybe you get out outdoors and do some stuff outdoors, you're hiking or doing whatever there, like playing some sports with friends or something that's not like crazy intense. So that's always a really good option. Like, and I like this because it gives you sort of a mental break from the gym too. Like, for me, I really like during a, a deload, like when I can just mix things up and get some variety in there and just do some things that I don't normally do. Because that way, when I come back from a deload, like I'm really excited to get back into it, excited to start lifting weights again. I'm excited to start seeing progress and moving some heavy weights around and things like that. So not just from the physical side of things, but for the mental side of things, like having that deload is super helpful. But if you do, like if you're somebody who just loves the gym, like you want to be in there and you feel lost without it and like you want to get in the gym during your deload, you can also do that if you really want to. But you're going to want to do lighter workouts, obviously. So if you reduce your loads and so basically the amount of weight that you're lifting, reduce those and then reduce the volume. So like your sets and reps, if you just reduce that in half, like cut the, cut your volume in half. So if I'm doing like 10 sets per workout, I can cut that down to five. And then if I'm doing like 
300 pounds on certain exercises, I cut that in half, I'm only doing 150. It's not going to feel like you're doing a whole lot, which is the whole point, right? You want to give your body a chance to kind of recover and take a little bit of time off from heavy, intense weights. So just cut your loads in half, cut your volume in half. You'll, it'll be super quick. You'll get in, you'll get out, you'll get some movement in. Um, but again, if you're somebody who likes to be in the gym, that could be an option for you. And like I said, the benefits of this, you're just going to feel better mentally. You're going to feel a little bit better physically as well. And then you come back, you feel stronger, you're able to lift more weights. That first week that you're back after a deload, you may notice like you don't feel quite as strong. It's not the case for everybody. Some, some people come off a week and they just feel super strong. They pick up right where they left off. They feel good and they're good to go. For for other people, it may take them, you know, a week. That first week back, they may feel a little bit weaker. You might be a little bit more sore. Uh, but then you get into that second week and you're feeling just as strong as you were and maybe even stronger. And so don't freak out if you come back after a deload and you're like, dang, I feel weak because it's normal and that happens to some people. So just get through it. And then that second week, you start feeling really good again. But Definitely recommend like if you are starting to feel some of those signs just mentally, physically, like deload is not not a bad idea. And with that, that is the podcast solid Q&A podcast got six of those questions answered. As I said, if you have future uh, questions for me or questions that you want answered in the future, you can always send me a message on social media. We'd love to uh, answer some of those and expand on some of those because I always enjoy these these podcasts. Um, and then lastly, just mentioned like in the beginning of the podcast, got those two one-on-one -on -one coaching spots. Hit me up if you're interested in those. And lastly, appreciate you guys listening. If you have been listening for a while and you have not left a review, if you could do that, I would really, really appreciate that. That helps me to continue to try to get this out to more people, try to help more people make fitness gains, health gains, get healthier, look better, feel better, all that good stuff. So those of you have, who have left a review, really appreciate you. Those of you who have been listening for a while now, Appreciate you as well, and we will see you next week.